That's a terrible call. That is a terrible call. Hope you guys had a good Thanksgiving and everybody's getting ready to go back to work. Brendan was travelling for this episode due to Thanksgiving, so he won't be with us. Which means I'm joined by another good friend of mine, Mr. Cody Shalafu. Cody's done some podcasts with me previously, he knows his ball. He's been nice enough to jump on today. What up, Cody? How we doing? How we doing? Doing well, man. So we're recording this 5-10 minutes after the Knicks game, so we've just beat them. What we're going to do though is we're going to roll it back a little bit because we haven't done a podcast since Wednesday. So we're going to talk about the next games. I apologise for not dropping one on Friday. Brendan was travelling for Thanksgiving. Things got a little bit messed up there. So we'll recap the next games. And then in the second segment, we'll talk about what we saw from the Celtics in this game against the Knicks. So we split the next series. We won one, they won one. It was what it was. We'll start with game one. Cody, what did you take away from the first game against the, the Nets? Uh, well, Garrett Temple needs to relax. That's what I got out of that game. Um, and Kemba just went off. I think it was a really, really good game. Um, the one thing that in both Nets game was defending the three ball. Uh, and the Celtics have done really, really well with that over the course of the season. But the last few games, it seems like the three ball, uh, Celtics have struggled to... Uh, really guard that well, but I think it was a pretty good game overall. The Celtics won that one, uh, 121 to 110. Tatum had 16. Jalen Brown's been playing extremely well. Kemba had basically 40 points, 39 to be exact, and that was a really, really good game to watch him go off. And that was his first game back, I believe, um, after the neck injury in Denver last week. So that was a huge sign and a huge, uh, you know, it was pretty awesome to see Kemba come back from that injury. Uh, only missed one game and then dropped 40 in his return. That was pretty dope to see. Uh, it was just an over, overall pretty good team game. Uh, like I said, the three ball for the Nets was, was working really, really well and it ended up working, uh, well in the next game on Friday. Uh, yeah, it was Friday, right? Yeah, it was Friday. Yeah, Friday. So. Yeah, because that was a 12 o'clock game. So, yeah, I think that was the... It was just a really fun game to watch, I think. Um, yeah, just Kemba going off. That's it, Kemba's one of those players that even before he was on the Celtics, you would tune in when you heard, oh, Kemba has 35. Oh, Kemba has 40. And then you just watched that game. I remember watching his 60-point game or, or the back half of the 60-point game against Philadelphia last year. And then he came back and had 40 the next night against Boston. And he's just a fun player to watch when you guys are going. He also grabbed six boards in that game and dished out four assists. Yeah. Only turned the ball over twice as well. His usage rating was quite high. It was good to see him come back and be healthy after that net scare. Another player that got it done was Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown played well in that game. Dropped 22 points, 10 rebounds. His assists aren't great, but you know that's not his game. Tatum dropped 16, which is one of the lowest scoring games for Tatum this year. Wanamaker was good off the bench. Cantor comes in, does what he needs to do, you know, seven boards. Only four points in that game, but he's he's showing growth, not in terms of adding something new to his game, but getting used to what Boston want him to do when he's on the floor. He seems to be giving them really, really good minutes at the moment. He's moving up in the rotation. Yeah, he 
he is, like you said, he's doing what we asked him to do. It's good offensive rebounds, just be big in the paint on defense. Obviously, his struggles defensively has been very well documented. And But, you know, he scores the basket, and that's what he does. And even though he went one for five in that game, uh, the first game against the Nets, had four points, and like you said, he just did what the Celtics are asking him to do. Get rebounds, be big, score when you, on those putbacks that he likes to get. And you have to note as well that we did sweep the series one at home and one away from home. Yeah. Still undefeated in the TD Garden, which is great. It's a good little, good little run to keep going as long as we can take a bit of pride in that. However, we do need to start looking at the games we're losing away. Excuse me, which will take us into Friday's game. Early start. I'm not going to blame people for being a little bit sleepy coming off Thanksgiving. Everyone's still got a full belly. I don't know about you, but it was lucky for me. That game was like 5.30 p.m. for me, so luckily I was off work anyway. Got home, put the game on. I thought we were playing well at one point. At one point, I thought we were going to actually win the game. And then it just went downhill for us from there. What did you take away from that game, Cody? And I think, again, the three ball, I think you just couldn't defend it. They ended up shooting 17 of 41 from three, and... Uh, me being part of the Spencer Dinwiddie fan club, this game really helped my presidency. But 32 points to go on 11 assists, Dinwiddie was just unstoppable. I mean, you saw him hitting those Jason Tatum, you know, sidestep threes in the corner at one point, and he just got it on. And then Garrett Temple again, three for six from three. Joe Harris a little bit less of a factor than he was in the first game, but still, I mean, you have to keep at him, and I think it was just DeAndre Jordan and Jared Allen did whatever they really kind of wanted to do offensively. There were multiple times when they just would come in and then get two or three dunks, and the the crowd would get into it, and then it kind of just demoralized the Celtics a little bit. Um, so the, just didn't really going off at 32. I mean, I, I've always said he's a really good guard. I thought he was one of the bigger reasons for the Nets' success last year. And um, the last couple of years, and it's great he got the extension he did. I think he's a really, really good player. Um, and then it seemed like no one else really kind of stepped up for the Celtics. Marcus was four for thirteen in that one. Kemba was six for nineteen in that one. Uh, Jalen Brown only shot eight times in that one. Um, Tatum did his thing: ten for nineteen, twenty-six points, eight, uh, nine rebounds, six uh, at six turnovers. Turnovers kind of hurt. Nineteen total for. Uh, the Celtics, 18 for the Nets. Like I said, just got hot from three, and they fed the hot hand when they needed to, and they just made the right plays at the right time. Yeah, and Jarrett Allen's improved ridiculously oh, over yeah. the summer. The guy's a force. I really enjoy watching him. I was talking about him through the summer, saying he was going to be one of the bigger breakout names. Yeah, He's doing everything he needs to do on, on both ends of the floor. There's a reason that DeAndre Jordan's starting on the bench, and that's because you need to give this guy more time to keep growing and see exactly where his ceiling is. I mean, he finished that game with, what, 11 rebounds, 14 points, a plus 14 and a plus minus. I know it's a flawed stat over one game, but it's still nice to see. But this is a Celtics podcast, and we're not going to spend too long praising these guys. We're going to spend more time looking at what we were doing well and what we were doing bad. One thing I am noticing as a trend is Jason Tatum is becoming a legitimate first option for us. Yeah, I mean, he has. I mean, we saw his games kind of completely it almost revamped from last year. Last year was a lot of this isolation ball, and he's still doing that a little bit, but definitely on a lower extent. 
and his shots are just better, more modern NBA shots. He's shooting a, a good amount more threes. Um, he's still hitting his three points at a pretty good clip. Um, his field goal percentage, if you look at it like straight on, doesn't look great. And he's had some games where he goes like six for 19 or four for 19 in a game. And he's had those stretches. But if you watch him play, his, his, being a, a pick and roll ball handler, that's opened up his game so much. And we saw it a little bit in FIFA, uh, FIBA, excuse me. Um, so on the beginning of the season, we continue to see that when he's a pick and roll ball handler, it allows him to do so many different things. He can take that pull up mid range that he likes to do, and he's making. He drives to the basket, which he's starting to improve a little bit. I think uh, finishing at the basket, but he's still his woes shooting at the basket are still apparent. Or he can shoot a three, and that 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 triple option, those three levels where he's a really good scorer in all three levels. Uh, so I think having him do that. Is great. Then you have Kemba working off ball and Tatum. Like I said, Tatum's a legitimate number one option. We saw it tonight and we saw it in this game as well. Back to back games and Tatum's looking very, very nice. Firstly, FIFA, you've been playing PlayStation. Uh, I own actually 2K's on sale. I'm about to buy that after this podcast. So I will be starting to play PlayStation a little bit more. <laughs> uh, <laughs> a bit of a, a bit of sucker. No, Tatum, Tatum just, uh, when you mentioned his field goal percentage, I do feel like I need to stress that he's shooting almost five, well, he's shooting over five shots extra a game. He's nearly doubled his three point attempts a game as well. Last year, he shot 13.1 attempts a game. This year, he's shooting 18.3. And in three balls, last year, he was shooting 3.9 shots a game. This year, he's shooting 6.2. So when you look at the attempts rising and you see that his field goal percentage has slightly slipped but it's not to like a ridiculous level so last year he was shooting 45 straight from the field now he's shooting 40.9 and i feel like that's going to go up as well once he once those layups start falling for him because they will start falling sooner or later that that field goal percentage is going to start to increase back to around the 45 maybe 47 percent mark three point oh. attempts he was shooting 37 percent last year it's 35 percent now but it's on three attempts more again they're we're splitting hairs over a couple of percentage, and the way he's looked over the last couple of games, those numbers are just going to keep rising now. Yeah, and like you said, the, it's going to keep rising. He was in the mid thirties in at least overall field goal percentage earlier on in the year, and you've seen that rise. And I think a lot of it's just him at the basket. He's taking a lot of shots at the basket, and he hasn't really made a lot of them, but he's starting to do that now, and you're starting to see these percentages creep up as he's, like you said, he's. Been a number one option all his life. In the last couple of years, he hasn't been able to shoot 20 times a game. He's been shooting 13 to 10 to 8 in that range times a game, uh, especially last year uh, with Kyrie and everybody there. And then two years ago, when he was just a rookie. Uh, so now he's starting to really figure out how to put up 19 shots a game and, and be consistent with it. And that takes time. You see him starting to climb up slowly, and I think he's going to get a lot better at it. I think he's going to be a 19 to 22 shots per game guy for a very long time, and I want him taking that many shots. We've seen what he can do. We've seen what those shots can help him out with, and we've seen that he can make those shots and it opens up the offense a little bit. Sometimes, you know, more is more. Uh, so him shooting more, I think, opens up a lot of things for everybody else open up the offense a little bit, and it's not one of those things where, oh, he's taking 30 shots a game, he's slowing everything down. 
but it's how he's taking the shots, what shots he's taking, and how that moves the defense around for him to get assist nights like he did tonight where he had seven assists. Another guy that's been really impressing me has been Shemmer. He's um he had a really terrible start to the year. Kinda of weren't showing any improvements the last three to four games. He's showing a bit more of a offensive repertoire. He's hitting his freeze now, which is great. He's looking a bit better on D, he's chasing the ball more. Do you feel do you think like he's gonna be a staple of the, the bench rotation now? Because there were questions about whether he was even gonna be getting minutes to start the year. Uh, hopefully, I think what he brings to the team, which is the defense and the three pointers, I think he it, it would be nice if he can. I think I saw a stat of the last forty one threes he's made seventeen, which is roughly forty three percent. The last some odd games where he shot that many threes, and that's good. So probably right after he stopped struggling, and that's the streak he's on. He's shooting forty percent from three in that period of time, which is perfect for a three and D player. And he's one of those guys where, you know, he can just take two shots a game. He took two shots a game. He t- took two shots, excuse me, against Brooklyn. I only lost. Uh, but he still had an impact in that game. Uh, he, he's one of those players where he doesn't need to shoot to make an impact. Obviously, defensively is where he's going to be used a lot. He's a big body. He can move around uh, pretty good for his size. Uh, he's not some elite defender, but he's good in situations. Obviously, uh a couple years ago, Giannis was his primary target. I don't know how well that holds up now, but if he can just be that niche guy where he can guard some players really, really well and shoot the three and not be a liability on the court for 12 to 15 minutes a game, that'd be perfect for this team. So in the last three games that he played, excluding tonight's one against the Knicks, so we're talking Sacramento and then both Brooklyn games, he averaged 21.7 minutes in those games. He started one of them, which I was shocked by. But this is what I think. For the season, up until the, up until the Sacramento game, he was only averaging two points a game. Those for last three games together, he's jumped up to six points a game. He's, on average, pulling down two boards, shooting 33% from deep, 42% from the field. He's, he's getting more usage. I don't know what's happened over the last few games, whether he's shown something in training. But we're seeing more of a semi, and we're seeing more of a semi make smart plays. It's, I was very big on the fact that he was poor to start the year, and maybe this is just the semi we've got, and this is what we've, you know, we've got to decide, is he good enough, or is it time to start looking at ways to move him? Maybe end it, maybe at the end of the year, not so much during the season. Now, I'm kind of like, let's see what this guy can do for the rest of the year. Let's see if he can keep building on these last few games. Yeah, and Brad's not afraid to play you if you're playing well. I mean, you saw, you've seen minutes fluctuate all the time. Cantor will go play 25 minutes one night and then not get playing, get like seven minutes the next two nights. Grant Williams, same thing, his minutes fluctuate. Um, Ty started the game against Brooklyn. I don't know if he got hurt or anything. I didn't see anything, and he only played six minutes. Um, so Brad's not afraid to mix and match pieces depending on who's hot, how the team they're facing matches up depending on what they want to do offensively and defensively. Um, so I guess Femi's just fitting in the mold right now. Like I said, shooting 43% from three of the last some odd games. Uh, he's played really, really well. He's played a lot better than we've seen him in the beginning of the year and years past. And he just fits the mold at right now, at least. Will his nids go up or down? Maybe. I mean, like I said, Brad fluctuates no matter what. Remember when he started Jonas Urebko in a playoff series and Gerald Green in a playoff series? I mean, Brad's not afraid to put what works in the lineup depends, no matter what the name or the player is. 
So one way that's not benefiting from this rotation and these minutes, depending on matchups, is Vincent Poirier. Haven't seen much of him at all. Yeah. Are you expecting to see anything of him? I mean, he's looked reasonable in the time we've seen him on the court, but it's very, very limited time. Yeah, well, I guess, I guess right now, I think Tice is our best center, and I think Rob is showing he'll have a game where just he. And that's the thing, Rob, and I've said it multiple times, like, you'll have a game where he looks great and another game where it's like, what are you doing? And I think right now, just how they're doing the center rotations, uh, I don't think we're going to see a lot of Poirier, um, just because, you know, depending on what you run, you can run Tice out there for 25, and he'll play well, and then Rob out there for 15, and he'll play well, and then Cantor in there, for like seven, or then if you're a bigger center, you can put Tanner in there for like 20, and then Tyson there for a little bit, and Rob in there for a little bit. So I think those three are the three we've seen. I think the three we're going to remain seeing. I think Tyson's a playing the best right now, and it's fitting our it fits the team the most. You have Rob who has these flashes. I think management and Brad are just like, well, what's just iron out these kinks with some fire and just put him in games and hope he learns that way. And then Cantor has that skill that the offensive rebounds and the post scoring, I don't think that's a skill any other Celtic center has. So that's where he gets minutes there. Poirier is, I think, most similar to Tice or Rob. Uh, probably more a little bit kind of in between both of them, a little more athletic than Tice, um, but still a little bit better offensive. Around the same offensively as Rob is. Um, so it's kind of a mold of both. But I think Corey is just an odd man out. He's been all year and it's, he's kind of just going to have to learn and hope maybe by the end of the year, barring an injury, you know, cross our, cross our hearts. Hope that doesn't happen. Uh, barring an Aaron Baines comeback. No, I'll stop. But yeah, I mean, Corey is just going to be on the bench for right now. Do you think, personally, I'm looking at this and then looking over at how Wanamaker's first year in Boston went. Yeah. Cinema stories. He's on, he's under contract for next year, Poirier. Yep. Barring any moves, we might, we've got a center log jam. Something needs to give either during the trade deadline or in the summer. There's a good chance that Poirier ends up following a similar trajectory as Wanamaker and making an impact next year. Yeah, and I don't, I, Tyson didn't play a lot when he first got here a couple years ago. And he had a little, as the year went on, he got a little, some more playing time, some more go, and he eased his way in. I mean, uh, like I said, he's a, Poirier's a rookie. No matter how old he is and how much experience he's had overseas, he's still a rookie. He still has to learn everything. I mean, you don't go into practice and three days learn an entire offensive system and defensive system. It takes time. And in the pros, I'm going to assume, it takes a lot more time. I mean, I try to teach some, 12 year olds a simple play last year. It took us like three weeks to get it done. So these offensive schemes that Brad's putting in, all I mean, it's just going to take some time for Poirier to learn. I think that's a good thing. I think the Celtics can afford to hold out Poirier for a little bit. I mean, Cantor's only on the contract guaranteed till this year, I believe. If Cantor doesn't work and Poirier shows some good signs in house, boom, then you have your third center right there. I'm double-checking Cantor's contract situation as we speak. Yeah, I want to say it, it's like a, a team, it's an option for next year. I think a team option, but I'm pretty sure it's only on a one-year five-ish. It's a player option. Oh, it's a player option. Yeah, so 
I mean, it depends on how the season goes, how he sees his minutes. Does he feel like if his production's good enough, he can go and get more money elsewhere and start? We're yeah. going to have to see how that one plays out. We've got, a, we've got a bigger player option, fish to fry at the end of this season, to be quite honest, in terms of Gordon Hayward. That's true. So what we're going to do now is we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to look at how we just wipe the floor with the Knicks, or one against the Knicks, depending on which game you're watching. I'll be back. So the game was enjoyable, Cody, man. I don't know about you, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, especially towards the end of the game, it got a little more enjoyable. Uh, but I thought it was a pretty good game overall. Tatum again was looking fantastic. Career high in assists. Mm, that's so hot. <laughs> Seven assists. I think it was 30 points. Uh, what was it? Five rebounds? Six rebounds? Thir- 36 rebounds, seven assists, only one turnover, two steals, two blocks. Oh. What more can you ask? Well, this guy's an all-star this year. I don't care what anybody's saying. The, the evolution in his game has been fantastic. Talk to me nice. I mean, just Tatum is going off. I mean, the last couple games, as we saw the later, Later half of the, Celt- uh, the Celtics Nets, um, two game stretch. He had 26 in that one. This one, 10 to 23. So that's on 43%. That's respectable. That's good. That's about average. Uh, 45% from three, five for 11. Got the free throw line six times. He made five of them. Those six rebounds, seven assists, a career high, as you mentioned. Only one turnover, two. And a lot of that is he was running with the second unit kind of as the only good scorer out there. I think it was him, Grant. Uh, him, Grant, Wanamaker, and a couple, uh, Semi, and, uh, Cantor, I think was the lineup. They ran, uh, a little bit in that fourth corner. And Tatum was just, give me the ball, let's go. And he did. And he, he was passing the ball, there was a lot, good movement around. They were double teaming Tatum. He made the right pass every time. So, Tatum's really showed up that game. Another guy that showed up was Kemba, dude. Had 10 assists. Yeah, I mean, Kemba, Kemba had uh, the beginning of the game wasn't too great. I mean, he shot six for eighteen, which was thirty three percent, which isn't that great. But he had those two threes back to back as the Celtics were going on that little run. I think he went on a fifteen and two run uh, towards the back uh, like around the four minute mark um, in the fourth and really bolted ahead of the Knicks. It was really a back and forth game. It was a close game. I think the largest lead they were saying were, was only nine at one point by either team, and the Knicks had that lead, and then the Celtics just came back and really bowled them over towards the end. I think the Knicks shot themselves in the foot a couple times, and it's the Knicks. I mean, you expect that. Uh, but he had 10 assists and those big threes at the end. I think he, he came up when the Celtics needed it, and that's Kemba Walker in a nutshell. I mean, to be fair, they were doubling him quite hard to begin yeah. the game. Uh, it took him a while to realize how he could most efficiently pass out of there, what mm-hmm. was going to work. And then he realized that Mitch Robinson was playing him quite high up. So he was, you know, there was always an open man. He was finding the open man consistently. Tice, however, had a really quiet game. Yeah, only got 16 minutes of play. And it's one another one of those games. He also had three fouls in those 16 minutes. One of those games where it was just more of a Cantor-Grant game. And Cantor and Grant... Cantor in 15, 11 points, uh, 11 rebounds, 6 being offensive, and boom, there you go. That's where Cantor 
against a team like this where he's when there's a lot of bulky guys, Bobby Portis, uh, Julius Randle, uh, Mitchell Robinson, he's going to bang down low with them. And that's what he did. He did a good job of that um, with those rebounds. And then Grant was moving around and actually played really, really well. I saw him switch on to Dennis Smith Jr. a couple times. and He was doing, for one of the more athletic players in the league in Dennis Smith Jr., he was right at his hip a lot of the time. He played really, really well, I think. Offensively, still struggling a little bit. Has not yet hit a three. But I think defensively, and he's, he's smart. There was one play I remember. It was Tatum got doubled in the corner. And Grant and Cantor were both on the opposite block. Grant looked around and then just flashed to the high post. And Tatum hit him with an easy, easy pass out of the double team. It didn't end up in anything, but it was just a smart play. I remember it. He, he just realized where the open spot on the floor is, flashed the high post, gave Tatum a passing lane out of the double team in the corner. And it, it was great, and that's what Grant gives. He's a smart kid, just turned 21. So, happy birthday, Grant Williams! I know you're listening out there, as you always do. Yeah, <laughs> it was, it was, it was just. I like Grant a lot, and like I said, offensively, he's still getting around. But he, he's, he, he, he played really well. That one play really impressed me. And then we go to Jalen Brown. Some have he's had. To- Two games where he's put up points, but he's done so in like an invisible fashion. It yeah. wasn't until the fourth quarter that he really started to like imprint his game on, onto the Knicks. He was still getting buckets, but they were kind of within the flow of the offense. There wasn't much of him actually pressing the issue. He wasn't causing them too much of a headache. And then boom, fourth quarter turns it on and does what Jalen does. I actually tweeted out saying Tatum and Brown are a legitimate duo in the league when they're playing like they were in the fourth. Yeah, I mean, it was just, Jalen Brown has really impressed me because it's not just the scoring. It's just, I mean, he's efficient. 11 for 18 tonight, 4 for 10 from 3. And it's just, the, I don't know what it is, but like, he just looks like a, such a completely different player than he was last year or two years ago. He looks completely different. He just looks more poised and confident and like, he knows. He, he looks like he's on a mission. Like, you know how they say how players in their contract year, play better because they know they're going to get paid. He already got paid. And he's playing like he's trying. He's, he's playing like it's payday tomorrow. And he needs to show the boss why he deserves the raise. And he's playing ridiculous. And like I said, it's just the poise. It's the stone cold demeanor. He's just getting to where he was on the floor and he's realizing that he can't, he doesn't have to over dribble to get to where he was. He's learned how limited he is with the dribble, but he's using that to the, the maximum, if you follow me, what I'm saying. Like, he's not going to Kemba Walker cross you up, but he realized that if I just take that one jab step and pull up, that's enough space for me to get it done. If I take that one hesitation dribble, I can get right by this guy, and he's learned how to use what he has instead of trying to master something he hasn't quite grasped yet and doesn't have the skill for yet. Or maybe even at all. I mean, I don't think Jalen Brown will ever become a premier dribbler in the league, even for his position. But what he's doing with what he has pretty, pretty good. And he's just played like an entirely different player. Yeah, and the way he elevates for his jump shot is like yeah. a solid three inches above anybody else's like reach. He can just get up, dude. I mean, he's shooting, he's basically shooting 50% from the field. Yeah, like I said, like he's just, it's that, I think last year you saw a lot of times where he'll try to dribble on the paint. Oh no, I got stopped. Let me just take this 
pull up jumper for no reason, clank, then run away. But this year, if he doesn't have it, he passes out. This year, he is getting more space, like I just said, and that's where the easier looks at the at the rim. He's finishing so much better than I've seen him in the past, and he's learning how to pump day and get players up out of the ground. He knows exactly when to attack the basket, when to be patient. He's just really, really, you can tell he really put a lot in this summer. Yeah, and he's learned how to draw fouls, which was a huge part of what he needed to elevate his game to that next level. Because now when he does drive, if people cut him off, he can drop his shoulder, push into him, draw the contact, and get to the line. Exactly. I mean, like I said, he's just playing particularly well. I mean, his free throw shooting's not great. It's never been great throughout his NBA career. Something he needs to work on. We've mentioned that during previous podcasts with me and Brendan. Brendan and I, sorry, good grammar. But <laughs> but he is he's improving every game. He's definitely, definitely proven he was worth that contract extension. Exactly, and I think at first, I I guess I I think at first when I found out he got the money he got, I was like, ah, I just don't know. Like it wasn't awful, but it wasn't great. But he's really playing well, and I think like you were saying, Brendan, Brendan told me like, well, again at the same time, like isn't right now it's what he can be, and if this is what he's going to be and what he can be, this twenty point per game score on some pretty good efficiency and can play pretty good defense. Uh, you know, when he does play defense, it's pretty good. He's been playing really good defense that I've seen for most of the year, if not all the year. That's a scary player to have on the contract he's at. So, I he's just playing great. I love it. One of the best players on the team at the moment, the way he's playing. It was questionable where his standing would be when we were coming into the season. Was it going to be the third or fourth option behind Kemba, Tatum, and Hayward? He's legitimate, man. I mean, the way this team is structured now is there isn't really a first option. It's whoever has the best shot at that moment in time, which to me is the better way to play basketball, especially in the modern era. However, yeah. when you watch the Knicks game, it was quite clear that Julius Randle was their go-to guy. Every, pretty much every offensive possession was he was the offensive hub, but the ball was finding him. Yeah, I get that. I get a lot. Of kind of Josh Smith vibes from Julius Randle. Remember Josh Smith from the Hawks from back in the day? And he was just so athletic and he, you know, he ha- didn't have like a great offensive game, but he was so strong and athletic that he got to the, the cup, but he just kept shooting threes for some reason. And I think at the same vibe from Julius Randle, like when he's in the paint and when he's doing his thing, like, there aren't many players that are going to stop him. Like, he's big, he's strong, he's physical, he knows how to use his body, he knows how to get to the rack, he knows how to put it up the way he wants it. But then he's like, well, also, I shot a three that one time, so let me do it four times, five times a game. Which, yeah, I get you want him to shoot threes because it's a moderate, but he doesn't have to shoot 30. And that's the one thing. I've, I've, I remember Julius Randle in college. That's when I kind of first started watching college basketball pretty seriously. Not just the team I followed, but just everybody. And like, he was one. Actually, uh, that was when they went to the championship game and lost to UConn with Shabazz Napier as their best player. So that was fun. Um, but he was one of those guys. He was known for rebounding in that post presence. And he showed it. 26 points, 8 for 16. If you take away the threes, he was 8 for 11. So he is just playing really, really well. But again, sometimes those threes kind of bite him a little bit. 
I mean, last year when he was in New Orleans, he was shooting well from the corner three. In fact, he'd actually really improved his three-point percentage because they pretty much exclusively fed him the free ball in the corners. For the Knicks, it seems like he's taken them from the top of the key. We saw a few air balls, man. I mean, some of those shots were horrific. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's the Knicks, so <laughs> it's kind of expected. Um, but yeah, I mean, some of those shots were just like you don't need to take those. You know, like I get it's a modern NBA and you want to, you know, stretch it out a little bit, but it's also common sense that factors into it a little bit too. And then moving forward, looking ahead now, we we won that game. It's another check in the win column. It is. We expected to win that game. It's not as easy as just, oh, it's the Knicks we're going to win. They put up a fight, dude. RJ Barrett had a bit of a quiet game as well, con- considering the year he's having so far. Looking forward on Wednesday. Is it Wednesday? Yeah, it's Wednesday. We play the Heat. What you're expecting to see there, I mean, it's the return of Kelly O'Linick. I love Kelly O'Linick. Um, Personally, I like him. They've got Kendrick Nunn. They haven't actually been that bad of a team to start the year. Jimmy Butler's obviously always going to bring the intensity. Yeah, what are they? Like, what, third or fourth right now in the East? Like, they're pretty good. And I remember a lot of, I had them kind of at that six, seven-ish area where I like Jimmy and I love Jimmy and I think he's a really, really good player. I think he's borderline top 10, top 15 player in the league. I really do like Jimmy Butler. But then it's like, well, everyone around him wasn't great. Kendrick Nunn is one of the best untold stories in the NBA. and yeah, He's putting everyone on notice. He had, I think he had a 40-point game in the summer league, uh, the preseason against James Harden and the Rockets. Everyone's like, oh, okay, well, it's also the preseason. And he's throwing up like 25, 30-point games for Miami and basically playing that point guard position. Justice Winslow and Goran Dragic have been solid. Tyler Hero has been one of the better rookies as well. Then you have, you know, obviously Jimmy and Olenek for shooting threes. And, uh, they, have, they have a pretty good team. And I don't think they have that extra star player. I think they can help hurt them in the playoffs when they make it and depending what seed they get. Uh, but they have a really fun team, and they have a strong nucleus to build around. It's going to be a good game. I'm hopeful that we can beat them. Kendrick Nunn, to me, is one of the better stories of the season. I've really enjoyed following his trajectory over the last few weeks. I'm yeah. not I'm not scared. I mean, it's not one of those teams where I'm like, damn, this is going to be a tough game. But I didn't feel like that when we played Sacramento out on the West Coast road trip, and look how that turned out. I think I would, I, you know, obviously the Celtics are pretty good. I mean, that doesn't take uh, once to see. And you would probably take them against anybody. At least you'd give them a, a, a pretty good shot at doing, I mean, probably would the Clippers. Uh, we were right there with the Clippers, who I consider the best team in the NBA, kind of by far. Um, but this is the team you can't really sleep on. And it's one of those teams where they might not have that top, they're not maybe top heavy, but they're very deep. And especially if the bench comes out and doesn't really eat, I think you need full, either one player drops like 40 or you need everyone to kind of be on their game. Because if there's one at time on the court, there's this one stretch of eight minutes or so where the bench is in and there's a couple, there's not many starters in and it's just kind of lacking. And that's that four or five, six minute slump you get in. That's when the heat can kind of take off because they have pretty deep rosters. So they can 
take advantage of a lot of those other benches in the league. I mean, another thing I keep my eye on is how we deal with the bigs, especially with the way our situation is. So coming up against a guy like Bam Adebayo is going to be really interesting. It's going to be one of the matchups I keep my eye on personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's going to be a big, uh, a big Tyson Rob day, especially with Bam how athletic he is. Maybe even Cantor because Bam isn't particularly a shooter. I don't think he's a shooter at all. So having Cantor's big body in there can kind of help a little bit too. Um, so it's going to be interesting. Every game, it's interesting to see what the certification is. Because like I said, Brad will play one guy 20 minutes, one guy 10, and the other guy 4. And then he'll mix it up and match it who it is, how many minutes they're getting, and all this other fun stuff. So it's, it's definitely going to be interesting to see what Brad does that. I remember last year in Miami, that's when Marcus Smart blocked Bam at the rim. That was a fun game. So it's it's it seems like the Heat always put up a fun fight against the Celtics. That's an interesting point about Smart. There's a chance that he won't play following the abdomen right. injury he picked up against the Knicks. That's going to hurt no matter who we're playing against in the next game. That dude's the lifeblood of this team. Yeah, that's true. It's like when he's it's seen it for the last four or five years. When he's in and he's ready up and going, he's pressuring. It, everyone is contagious. Everyone wants to play for that. He's he's a player that you want to you know you want to go into a foxhole with. You want to play for. Uh, he's just that type of player. And obviously, every all the other Celtics fans know that, so I don't have to tell everybody that. Um, but yeah, if he's out, I mean, he took a a pretty. It wasn't like a nasty blow. It wasn't like ooh, like this could be forever. But like he took a shoulder from Kevin Knox, and Kevin Kevin Knox is a, is a pudgy boy. And so that was some weight into that rib that he took. So we'll we'll see we'll see what the prognosis is. I know he did exit the game and didn't return. Um, but yeah, no, we'll you know praying for you, Marcus Smart. So let's hope he uh, let's hope he plays against Miami. Talking about nasty nuts, Romeo Langford, your boy, dude, he got hurt bad. I'm just saying this right now. God hates Romeo Langford. That's the only explanation. I can't see an explanation other than that. He's having a tough start to his career, dude, but that ankle really twisted, dude. Did you see the video? I, I think he came back in that game, though. Nah, they carried him off, dude. Like, um. But I think I saw, I was on Twitter because I was working at that time, so I didn't get to, I was kind of in between whatever. But I thought I saw something where, like, he got carted off, and then, like, a half hour later, there was a thing where, like, Romeo Langford makes his first shot of the game. So, well, I mean, well, your timeline's probably just jacked up. Maybe, yeah, that might be it. But yeah, no, I, I guess I, the only explanation is God hates Romeo Langford. It's the only explanation, and whatever I have to do to to get God to not hate Romeo, I will do that. Right, but, guys, yeah. so we're gonna leave it there. Cody's gonna start praying for Romeo Langford. He might even offer him a foot. He did so for Baines last year. Baines oh, Romeo can have him. anything he wants. Anything, any body part, any massage therapy. Romeo, you hit me up, dog. I will be there tomorrow. And there you have it, guys. So we're going to wrap this episode up. Before I do, Brendan will be back in on Wednesday's episode with me. We're going to record a mailbag episode on Tuesday. So tweet us your your questions. My email's in my bio if you'd rather send it by email. You can find us wherever. I'm sure there'll be some tweets put out about it and an article might drop about it so you can leave a comment there too. 
but get your questions in. We'll answer as many as we can. Obviously, if they're not suitable to be read out in the air, then they're, they're going to be missed. So try and keep everything friendly. And we'll catch you again on Wednesday, Cody. Thank you for jumping on, man. It's been good to catch up with you. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Anytime, dude, man. Guys, this won't be the last time you hear from Cody. Cody's uh, Cody's going to be around now and again whenever we can fit him in. You should also, he's a great follower on Twitter, so you should check him out there. And again, yeah, we'll be back on Wednesday. Hit us up with them mailbag questions, guys. 